good evening, everybody. If we can have that first slide up, that would be great, Bruce. Um, over the next few weeks in our evening services, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. And uh, if you have a Bible tonight, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to go through these first few verses. And there's always a, there's always a danger when you go through uh, a book bit by bit that to, uh, you go through the verses and try and find out all sorts of things that perhaps aren't actually there. Actually, when I read this again to prepare for tonight, I realised how much um, God's Word refreshes uh, when you read it uh, time and time again. And hopefully, uh, with me, you'll just see how these first few verses in this book of uh, Philippians, uh, the tail end of the New Testament, um, is relevant even for us today even though it was written many times ago and perhaps see a little bit more from it than we have done before. So, good, it works. So let's just remind ourselves a little bit about this book, shall we? It's actually a letter, uh, and it was written from uh, Apostle Paul, uh, and it was written probably to the church, well, we don't, it wasn't probably written, it was written to the church in Philippi, and uh, Actually, Paul was the person who set this church up around AD 50, and so he had some really good connections with this place. Uh, We think probably that he wrote this letter uh, in prison. So he was in prison when he wrote these words, and he was writing them to the Christians that he knew in Philippi, in the Philippian church, which he himself set up in AD 50. And it's really a thank you letter. Uh, And if you read the whole of the letter in one go, you'd realise that what he was saying was, you know, thank you for the support that you give me, the way that you've supported me throughout, and the way that you're, that you're growing in your faith. And so it's a real thank you letter from Paul and a real encouragement from Paul. Um, and he also picks out some of the things that they need to watch for. So these are some early Christians, um, uh, one of the first churches that set Paul set up, and you can see that he has a real love for these people as he writes this letter. So we're looking at a letter written a long time ago to a group of early Christians where Paul, the apostle, in prison, is writing to them to encourage them. But in these first 11 verses that we're just going to pick out today, verses 1 to 11, I want you to have a little look at the way that I think that what Paul is doing is he's giving us some reasons for why he wants to pray for these folks in Philippi. In actual fact, verses 9 to 11 is the actual prayer, and we'll come to that in a short while. But it's clear as he goes through these first verses that he's telling them, these are the reasons why I am so encouraged by you and want to pray for you. And it's something to do with partnership, which is why Shingi talked about partnership. I was thinking when you were saying that, Shingi, about the John Lewis partnership. Um, But I don't know if that was two people, it was just one. I don't think there was a John and a Lewis, but maybe there was. Um, But he he talks a bit about partnership. He talks about God being in control. And he talks a little bit about the need for spiritual growth. Well, they're the headings that I'm going to give um, these little thoughts that I've got. So forgive me for putting up lots of PowerPoint slides, but they're my my thinking. So as we start off, let's think a little bit um, about what Paul says. So in verse is 3 to 5, we read, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, 
I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Presumably Paul was talking about the first day when he first met them and set up the church. So, what does he mean by partnership? Well, here we go. We've got some good examples and we're going to stray into some of the the verses that uh, will be picked up in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to pick up some good verses about what it is that he was actually um, talking about when he talked about the words partnership. Um, And actually we need to go right on to this next one. Because the first bit of partnership, the first thing that they were doing together was that they were praying together, maybe in different places, but this church in Philippi, the Christians in Philippi, were praying. If we go right down to chapter 1 and verse 19, Paul says to them, um, if I can find it, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out to be my deliverance. So the partnership that Paul talks about has something to do about praying for each other. So, actually, if we're Christians, we pray for each other. That's how we form our partnerships. That's how we all work together for the good news, which is the gospel. We also see that Paul remarks about them about in terms of their partnership in their evangelism work. If we go towards the end of chapter 1, and verse 27 and 28, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. So you'll stand up for the gospel. Paul knew that these, these young Christians in Philippi were standing up, evangelising, telling other people about the good news. And so therefore, Paul saw these people as part of his team. He wasn't with them all of the time, but he was in partnership with them as they did the things that he did, but in different places. He also um, saw their partnership in their suffering. If we go right down to verse 30, now we know that Paul was in prison, so he was suffering, but Paul says, since you are going through the same struggle, that's the same struggle as I am sometimes, you saw and I had, I now hear that I, sorry, since you are going through the same struggle, you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So that they were going through tough times. So here were partners in the gospel that were going through tough times. And he also saw as partners because actually a lot of the chapter of 4 we'll see that he talks about them supporting him financially. And in 4.16 it says, For even when I was in Thessalonica you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So Paul has lots of reasons to be able to describe these Christians as partners, as team members in the gospel, in, in proclaiming the good news about Christ. Now, what struck me as I read these first few verses is how much Paul actually knew about these people. And that's right, if you read this short letter, it's not just full of, I hope you're okay, I hope you're having a good time. It actually really talks about what they have been doing. And it reminded me that actually Paul must have known and he mentions lots of names in the letter as well. He must have known these people really well. Now, 
if you're part of Church Lane family, we pray for each other. But what struck me as I read Paul's words was that he knew them so well that I'm sure that his prayers would have been even more effective. And I point the finger at myself here big time because I'm one of those people that will be very, very busy like this morning. I was very, very busy but actually was I busy actually being with people? No, I wasn't. I was busy washing. Well, I wasn't really washing this morning. I was busy taking plates around and doing all sorts of things. But was I busy finding out about my brothers and sisters in the family of Church Lane? No, I wasn't. And that's why I point the finger at myself about this point. Because actually, if I've come away from this morning, what can I pray about? What can I pray about? Now, if I'd spent a little bit more time finding out about some of the folks that were there and what sort of week that they've had and where they are up to in their lives and what's been going on and how things have been, you know, whether things are going well or not so, my prayer life this week would be so much more informed. Now, someone's got to do the washing up. Someone's got to take the plates out. And that's partly why we've got to share those activities because we all need to do a bit of that. But actually, I don't know about you, but sometimes if you look through our directory, so that's the, the directory, we have a directory of church names in the, that, uh, that are linked to this church. When you go through all of those names, how many of those names do you really know about so that you can really pray for them? And like I say, the, I'm pointing the finger big time at myself. Paul knew his partners in the gospel. And you get that real sense that as he, because he knew them, he wanted to pray about them. You know, I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because he knew his partners in the gospel. So my first point, an encouragement, and telling off to myself probably, is that actually let's not stop getting to know each other more and more so that our prayers for each other as partners in the gospel can be informed and can be rich with the actual knowing uh, what are the challenges and joys and happiness and sadness that people are facing. It's difficult to do that sometimes, isn't it? Because you don't want to, you don't want to go with it like the Spanish Inquisition and there is a fine border um, balance, isn't there, between wanting to get alongside someone and supporting them and just being nosy. But actually, what I'm saying is let's encourage each other to know each other well enough to be able to pray for the things that really matter to each one of us. Now, all was not going brilliantly. And that's right interesting when you read this letter. Um, I, I was let on early because I've got to come off early, so don't worry, I'm not going on the way, all the way to half past. Um, not everything was going brilliantly here and I think that's really interesting when you read this letter because actually Paul is very positive in lots of things but he doesn't, he doesn't miss out on the things that aren't going particularly well and even in that first chapter not far long after we've just read our first few verses you'll see in verses one, uh, chapter 1 and verse 15 it is true that some preach 
Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. So almost that they were sort of trying to compete with each other. And he talks about in chapter 3 and verse 2, watch out, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. And that was something to do with circumcision and how people wanted new Christians to be circumcised when Paul was quite clearly saying that they didn't need to be because that was to do with, the, with Judaism. And he, and, he, and he also talks right at verse 4 too. And you know I said about him knowing people so well? I plead with, how would you say that name? Euodia? And I plead with, I'm not even sure how he would say that name, to be of the same mind in the Lord. He knew these people well enough that he knew who was falling out with each other. He knew who was falling out with each other. And so, in that backdrop of not everything was rosy, not everything was wonderful in this early church, Paul talks about having confidence that God was in control. In that verse that we read, in the verses that we look at, chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this, being confident, I suppose we ought to read those first few verses again, I thank my God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. But what he's not saying, everything's rosy. Oh, it's not, it's not wonderful yet. But being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we're all work in progress, aren't we? None of us us have got there. Uh, Alan Harrison reminded me that I'd made a mistake in the news sheet. He said, not that I want to tell you that you've made a mistake, but I just want you to realise that you're not perfect. (laughs) Let's hope he's listening to this tape later. Um, But he's right, because actually we're all in the process of trying to be more Christ-like. But the other thing I want to say about this is the emphasis that Paul puts on. Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. Too often, we think that it's all about us, that we do it. That what I say at the front here is the thing that's going to make you change. Well, it's not. The words I might use will have to be used by God to make anything happen. The fact that we were all busy um, having a lovely meal this morning, the fact that we had a lovely service this morning, all of that's great, but actually it's God that's in control here. And what we need to do more of is to pray that God will carry on the work that he started to do. So when we're praying for each other, when we're praying for situations, it's not that we pray that, you know, that, oh, so-and-so does a brilliant sermon, or da-da-da. It's about God continuing the work that he has started. And I think that's, re- that's a really important point. And when I read these words again, it's, it's, it's both challenging but also encouraging. You know, Paul was in prison. He, didn't, he, he was so restricted in what he could do and couldn't do. And here is somebody that's saying, do you know what? I can't, I can't do much in prison, but I know that God is continuing to work through you. It's God who is in control and God that is making it happen. So pray that God is in con- control and pray for us as partners 
and then pray finally for spiritual growth. And this is what Paul says, um, right at the end. Okay, so he's talked about them being partners, he's talked about how encouraged that he is by them, and that he realises that there's work in progress, and then he prays this prayer for them. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And I just want to pick up one or two things from those, that little prayer that he said right at the end of our reading tonight. I just want you to think before I do that, if, if we were here, if, if we were around when Paul was around and Paul was in prison, what would you be praying for, for Paul? What would your prayers be for Paul? That the food's okay in prison? That he gets out and about in a little bit? That he sees the sunshine? That the prison officers are nice? Probably some of the things that I'd probably pray for. And I think it's really interesting, and again, these verses... Um, really challenged me because often when we pray for each other what we do is we pray for those sorts of things sometimes don't we and I'm not saying that we shouldn't but often we find ourselves slipping into praying for people's health things to do with work and things to do with relationships maybe and sometimes in doing that we don't, perhaps not intentionally, we miss about praying for people's spiritual growth. We've got a lot of poorly people in church at the moment. Um, I, you know, we, just, we can just think of people like Bob. It's really, really poorly at the moment. And our inclination, is, of course, is to pray for him in terms of his health. And of course we do. We want him to not experience pain. We want him to be well. But you know, for somebody like that, the challenges they must have in terms of their faith are more important. Are more important. Isn't that a challenge for us about how we pray for them? Somebody who's losing their job or not sure about their job. Of course we want to pray for them about making sure that they have work, making sure that financially they are okay. But the challenges they face about questioning whether God is good, the challenges that they may have that might take them away from their faith, are more important. Are more important. We may know somebody who's having a really tough time in a relationship that's breaking down. And of course we pray that there may be peace, there may be harmony, there may be uh, a, a relationship that's healed. But the challenge to people losing sight of God in all of that, the challenge of them drifting away from God, is more important. And that's why we need to pray for people's spiritual growth. And I just want to pick three things that Paul does in his prayer 
that I think that's what he does. And the first thing is, is that he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So this is Paul's prayer for these Christians. And the first thing that he says is that actually what I want in you is that the love that you have for God and the love that you have for each other is driven, I put it like that, is driven by an understanding of what God loves. An insight into what pleases God. Wouldn't that be a challenge for us? You know, dear Lord, we know somebody's going through a really tough time but we really pray at this time that their understanding of what you want them to do draws them closer to you, even in this dark, difficult time. That they may know you and know and understand what you want them to do at this period of time. So Paul encourages them to have a knowledge and a depth of insight, which means that they will love God and others because they know what God wants and what God loves. He then goes on to say, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Again, Paul is saying, actually, you know what? You need to be living holy lives. You need to be living in a way that honours God, that is spiritually alive for you. You need to be kept close to Jesus. And finally, he says in his little prayer that you need to be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We need to be changed because of Jesus. We need to be changed by Jesus so that the way that we live out our lives bears good fruit. That's the prayer that Paul had for those young Christians. Now, you can imagine that he could have prayed, well, I hope you're all okay. I hope, you, you know, your, your, your work is going well. I hope, you know, hope the weather's nice. I hope your health is good. But actually what Paul does is he prays for their spiritual growth. And again, that was a real challenge for me to think about this. That actually in my prayers, I'm not going to stop praying for people who are unwell, that they may experience good health, that they may recover. I'm not going to stop praying for people who are worried about their work, that they may find work. But what I need to do is also pray about what that means for them as Christians and their spiritual lives. You know, I, I've known people who, because of really tough times, have began to say, well, God, you know, what's all this about? What does this really mean? I visited a, a, a lovely lady the other day. She was the caretaker of one of the schools I was at. And her husband had died after she'd been married many, many years. And um, I'm not sure if she is a Christian or not. And uh, she said to me, um, you know what, Andrew, I, I really hope, I really hope that he's gone to heaven. But how can I believe in a God that sends people to heaven when he lets little children die. And she was going through a really, really tough time. And of course I prayed, and I, uh, we prayed, and I prayed that, you know, that one, that she needed some real, real peace 
at a time, a very, very difficult time. But when I got home, I also prayed that, you know, her understanding of God, her acceptance of, of what all of this means, might not push her away from God, but might draw her closer to God. So, in those first few verses of this letter, Paul is encouraging of the early church in Philippi, and he gives himself reasons for prayer, that partnership in God, the fact that God is in control, and the, and the need to encourage them to spiritually grow. And he finishes with that lovely prayer, um, that we'll pray now, shall we? Let's pray this for each other. Perhaps you can think of someone particular that you would pray this for. Someone in our church family. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Paul wrote his letter. We thank you that it's full of words of encouragement and wisdom. Uh, and Lord, as we go out this week, we pray that we may be able to uh, pray for each other in this church family. Uh, that we may pray for the situations and challenges that people face. But we may also pray for their faith. That their faith may be strong and when it feels weak, Lord, that you will be there and comfort them. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.